You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we are covering every episode of Malcolm in the Middle one by one. Today, we are talking about The Bully, which originally aired December 17th, 2000. It was directed by Jeff Melman and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and I'm the Alpha Jerk. And I'm David. And no, Jake, he's a lady. Before we get to this week's episode, we need to look back at last week's, which we have some poll results from Twitter for, which David has pulled up this time. Yeah, because somebody else let his phone die. And that means David gets to do the math for the poll that I fucked up. Eh, it's not that hard, though. Says you. It's really not. It's It's, interesting, It's basic addition and percentages. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so yeah, so we both agreed that Dewey was the shittiest kid of high school play. The internet agreed. Did they? Yeah. Did you look at both polls? What? There's two shittiest kid polls. Oh, I thought you had two of the least shitty. No, no, that one's right. The the shittiest kid is the one you have to do the math on. Oh, okay. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hang on. Oh, wow, there were a lot of votes on that. There were. We're getting a lot of votes on these. That's awesome. Yeah, shout out to all the people joining us from uh, Reddit. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, So there are 20 votes this week, and yeah, I'm definitely going to have to do the math. God damn it, Jacob. (laughs) Oh, it's easy math, he says. No problem, he says. Uh, Well, that's because, okay, so I looked at the least shitty and the shittiest, Mm -hmm. because I thought that they were back-to-back the posts. They're not. No, they're not. You son of a bitch. Okay, uh, look, if you could just do a poll right, this would help. I fucked it up one time since we've started it. Mm, mm. One time. <laughs> Alright, so let's see. Um, it doesn't show me... I don't have access to see, like, how many votes each individual... Oh, yeah, yeah it, it won't. It just says the total and the percentage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's... Jesus... <laughs> So, Dewey got a total of two votes, and Malcolm got a total of two votes. Okay, so, I can do the math. Alright, so, after doing the math, Francis still is the uh, shittiest kid, but the percentage is wrong. On here it shows 53%. Right. It would be a little lower than that. I didn't do that part of it. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I did tally the votes, though, and Francis has the most votes. Yes, uh, Francis so. was the internet's shittiest kid for the episode. Yes, they disagreed with us. Yes. Well, what does it feel like to be so wrong, internet? I you say that. Let's go over to the least shitty kid award. Fair. I also just, like, failed to do basic math on air here. You can edit that out, though, right? Can? Yes. <laughs> Will? No. Look, it's fair. All right, so we also agreed that Francis was the least shitty kid for uh-huh. taking a heroic stand against Spangler. And the internet also agreed with us. Yes. Francis <laughs> won both the shittiest and the least shitty kid vote on the internet this week. <laughs> oh my god. I feel a little trolled here. <laughs> but that's amazing. Um... Look, I don't know why they chose Francis for the shittiest kid. Yeah, yeah, that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me for this episode. But, I mean, maybe they... (laughs) Who knows? I mean, the internet can vote off of whatever metrics that they want. Oh, yeah. Maybe they were just looking at, like, the series as a whole. Uh, Yeah, well, especially because, like, so many of the votes came in on the uh, fucked up one that that didn't explain which episode it was, so I'm wondering if, like, people either either were doing, like, overall, uh, potentially, or, like, people were 
uh, voting on like the wrong episode potentially. Yeah, I would have. I would have put the episode. Yeah, I, I should. I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah. No, fair enough. Okay, but yeah. So there you have it. Yes, Francis is both the shittiest and the least shitty kid for the internet this week. There you go, internet. You can't have it both ways. I, I don't know. I don't know. Seems like they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they won. I think so. But uh, I think that's all we have for our community segment this week. Uh, thank you to all of the new people coming in from Reddit. And again, uh, thank you to Grace, who is the one who uh, suggested that we make a new post on the Malcolm the Middle subreddit. Uh, that was very good advice, so thank you. And with that, let's go to this week's episode. So to start this episode off, we have the cold open as usual. This one begins with a close-up of just a shitload of bubble wrap. Then it, like, slowly follows the bubble wrap up the table where Reese and Malcolm are sitting just popping the bubbles, as kids do. Then Dewey walks in behind them and asks what they're doing, and they look at him and clearly get an idea. Then it cuts to Dewey wrapped in uh, the bubble wrap, well, like, taped up, and he's standing on a board, uh, which they have turned into an improvised lever and attached like a, looks like a piece of metal. Uh, to the other end of, and Reese and Malcolm are standing on a picnic table, and they jump on the piece of metal that's clearly there as, like, their landing point, and launch Dewey, and when he lands, there's a thud followed by a bunch of popping. And Malcolm turns to camera and says, I wish he could stay little forever. Yeah. Ah, those were the days. Also, I like to think, because, like, we tried stupid shit like this when we were kids. Yeah. A lot. I like to think that Malcolm's, like, high intellect is what allows them to do all these and do them the right way. Like, they get the dumb, crazy ideas, and then Malcolm's like, well, I'm gonna do the calculations for that fulcrum. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were missing, was a science nerd. That's right. We had all the rest of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I have been wrapped in bubble tape and to put through assorted uh, painful experiences to, you know, test... You had to see the quality of the bubble armor. Exactly. Yeah, I, I get it. How do you think armor gets armor quality, Jake? God, you hit it with things. I also just remembered. <laughs> I often say I've had a concussion one time. I just remembered I've actually had two, <laughs> ironically. But the first one was from doing something very similar. Uh, it was my uh, eventual adopted brother. Before we adopted him, he was like a neighbor kid that had a family friend. And in front of the apartments we lived in, there was like a little jungle gym thing. Uh, and it had a seesaw. Oh, hey, I remember that place. And one time we <laughs> wanted to see what would happen if I was sitting on one end and he jumped from the slide nearby onto the other end. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, if it would launch me. And it did. That sounds right. And that was my first concussion. <laughs> did you get a concussion from that, or did you just get knocked unconscious? Uh, I wasn't knocked unconscious. I assume I assume anytime I have a head injury followed by a lack of memory, it's a concussion. Possible. See, I actually remember all of my concussions very clearly. Uh, well, I remember the thing happening, but then there after, there's a gap where I don't remember anything. I don't have that. Ah. The only time I have anything that I don't remember is when I got knocked unconscious. It had nothing to do with my head. I got stabbed in the sternum by a bike handle. Got all the air knocked out of me and didn't breathe for almost a full minute. That was cool. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, by the way, we will be talking about <laughs> the other time I got a concussion in this episode. Because it's oh, also relevant. Yes, we will. 
Yeah, your head injuries are great. That came out more morbid than I meant, but... Uh, so I have this one split into two plot lines. There's kind of four, but, like, two of them are mixed together with another one. So... I saw I, these two. Yeah, I, I have the Francis plotline combined with the Lois and Hal plotline, and then Malcolm's plotline combined with Reese's. I think yeah. it would be difficult to cover them as actual separate things. Yeah, I don't think they're separate enough. I, I'd agree. So we will start with the F-plot, as always. Yeah. And it starts with uh, a scene in the common area. Uh, you just see, like, a mob of cadets gathered around another screaming cadet. As is usual. Yes. And the, the only words I could make out from all of the screaming was one of the cadets yelling, uh, shave his butt. Yep. Then it pans over <laughs> to Francis, who is on the phone with Lois, letting her know that today is the last possible day for her to buy a plane ticket home for his birthday. And... <laughs> She's saying that they can't do it. Francis is begging, saying she doesn't understand what they do to people on their birthdays here. They uh, strip them naked, shave all of the hair on their body, and throw them in the reflecting pond. I really wish I could say I've never been a part of something like that, but I definitely have. Yeah, now, now that I think about it, before we started recording, I, I said it's a weird episode and that I can, you know, relate to both Malcolm and Reese, but I can't also relate to Francis, kind of, especially towards the end. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but Lois doesn't believe his story about what they do to cadets on their birthday. Uh, she says he's always making up stories. Like when he wanted to come home for a party, he told them that the Academy was being attacked by a pack of rabid dogs. And they were never caught, Jacob. Yeah, uh, what's your take on this? Do you, do you think he's lying there, or do you think that really happened? Because both seem completely believable to me. Right? Given my time in the South, it's real. I and mean, it would line up with other stuff that has happened. A thousand percent. Yeah, no, they definitely just never <laughs> caught those dogs. Okay. And now they are creating a dog hierarchy in the woods. And uh, every once in a while, a local neighborhood child will go missing. They'll blame it on some sort of urban legend. And it'll actually be the pack of rabid dogs that live in the woods. Works for me. That's the thing that happened where I was living. But uh, with Lois refusing him, we see the cadet who's being shaved take off running down the hall as Francis hangs up. He is shaved and naked, as Francis stated. And afraid. Uh, and Francis hangs up and joins in, chasing after, yelling, he still has an eyebrow, get him. <laughs> Look, the best way to keep him from suspecting, be all for it. I understood what he was doing. He was playing the mental game there. Uh, I think you're giving him too much credit. Probably. I, I think he just enjoys being on the other end of this tradition. It's possible. He just doesn't want it to happen to him. <laughs> Having been on both sides of similar things, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> then, back at home, Lois is feeling bad about Francis, about him not being able to come home for his birthday for the first time. It'll be his first birthday away from home. But Hal says he has something to distract her. He sure does, and we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, he has some concert tickets. It is a concert uh, scheduled for the same night as Francis's birthday, which we will quickly learn as while they're talking about this, Francis once again calls. He is still trying to get you know, permission to come home for his birthday. He's figured out a way to do it without them having to buy him an airline ticket. Did you write down the steps? Because uh, I have them memorized and it's hilarious. 
Uh, go for it. <laughs> he has a cadet there whose dad is a truck driver, and he says he'll let him ride in the refrigerator compartment, which, by the way, if you've ever been in a reefer truck, they're cold as shit. But to the 609 interchange, where then, as long as he's not drunk... He's got a friend or a cousin or something like that of the truck driver who will then fly him in a crop duster to the interchange somewhere there near the ha- or the soybean field. There you That's go. That's what it is, the soybean field. And he starts to describe where. Next to the train tracks. Next to the train tracks, yes. And then he starts to describe, like, he goes into a sentence that I assume would link it to, like, where they live. They do uh, canonically and it will become relevant later, live near train tracks. Fair. So again, uh, my assumption is correct. He goes into the next sentence and Lois cuts him off. But the breakdown of his little plan is absolutely hilarious and all to get home for what is probably one night. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, It is kind of in line with what we saw of him getting home in Francis Runs Away. Yeah, but there wasn't a uh, crop duster. True. It's a, it's a little more extravagant. Yeah. We have seen him, like, improvise his way into a co- cross-country trip before. We have. And it definitely seemed like that one, though. Like, I think there was more improvisation even in that. Like, he was making it up on the go, and it definitely seemed to take a couple days. Yes. While he is presenting this plan, Hal, in the background, uh, mentions the tickets, which Francis immediately, start, uh, of course, assumes that, uh, that they bought these tickets instead of buying him a, a ticket home, uh, and immediately starts blaming Lois for it, as he is wont to do, which Hal does not help with, as Lois is, like, trying to explain that they were free tickets from a co-worker, and Hal in the background says, well, he's not really a friend. Then Francis is trying to sleep, uh, and he has his window open, and outside, uh, you can hear one of the cadets being shaved. Uh, This cadet is trying to bribe them with a comforter that uh, their grandma sent him. It's so soft. Which is cut off by the sound of the razor starting up. Francis gets up and tries to close his window, which is jammed. Then he finally manages to slam it shut, uh, shattering it in the process. And And putting his hand through a window. Yeah, uh, which I have done. You sure have. (laughs) Do not Uh, recommend. Yeah, uh, as a side note, don't uh, put your hand on a window and lean on it. Yes. It's not a smart thing. Can confirm. Then it cuts to Francis at the hospital, uh, where a nurse is bandaging his hand, and they are flirting back and forth. Of the nurse nurse talking about how horrible it is that his parents are leaving him here all alone on his birthday. Which Francis, of course, plays the sympathy card in order to get a date with her. Yeah, and I like the implication here, too. Because, like, it definitely, like, this whole conversation with this nurse clearly started by Francis bitching about his parents. Yes. Because she's all in on the, you know, Lois is a bad mom train. True. Uh, And did you recognize the nurse, David? I didn't. This one didn't even spark, like, anything. Okay, uh, well, uh, she is from a, another show that I know you've watched that is not Buffy for once. Nice! Uh, she, she is Susan Yeagley, uh, who I, I mostly know as the lady from Parks and Rec who runs the, uh, the beauty pageant and then eventually, like, becomes the owner of Sweetums mm-hmm. after her super old husband dies. Yep. And is like a yeah, consistent, yeah, she's like a consistent villain for Leslie in that show. 
Yep, yep, okay, that makes sense. Then we once again go back to the house where Lois and Hal are again talking about how bad they feel about Francis not being able to come home, and Hal mentions that they should do something extra nice for him to make up for it. <laughs> then we see Francis on the phone with the nurse from before, uh, making date plans, and he uh, hangs up and starts to leave to get ready when Cadet Eric intercepts him in the hallway, uh, and you know, start, starts off with asking about his date, and Francis explains it all. He says, yeah, you, you've got a great life. You've got this uh, date lined up. You've got parents who love you. And Wait, what? As he's saying this, he leads him into the common room where all the cadets are gathered around a little basket of cookies with a happy birthday balloon attached. <laughs> Which Francis attempts to, uh, like, bly his way out of it. By immediately asking, oh, whose birthday is it? According to the card, it's yours. And then he tries to say that his family finally sent him his birthday present eight months late. Which is weird. I mean, my mom works at the post office, started back in 87, starts to craft this whole lie. But the other cadets are having none of it. They circle around him. Francis finally gives up. Uh, and just takes a seat on the chair and says, we'll just do it here then, and starts to take his own clothes off. I like the just candid resignation there. Yes. I also, I'm a firm believer in the why die tired. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually the part I was referencing that is relatable, and that, uh, like... Five years ago, I let my brother shave my eyebrows off. Yep. Because he was threatening to do it. So he was like, ah, I'm going to shave your eyebrows off when you're asleep. And I just went, go for it. Do it. I don't care. I remember that. Yep. <laughs> yep. So we did. Everybody was convinced that you did it for a bet because the Broncos lost. Yeah, no. There was no bet involved. I know. I remember. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to, you know, let things happen. Sometimes. So sometimes the effort's just not worth it. I didn't care. Eyebrows grow back. Yeah, that's that's such a you story. <laughs> I didn't even think about the fact that I've also, you know, had a injured hand from shattering a window. <laughs> uh-huh. I've shattered my fair share of windows, but it's never hurt my hand. I've also never leaned on any of the windows. Fair. Then uh, we, we get one more tidbit with Hal and Lois as we see them leaving for the concert, all dressed up. Inappropriate uh, attire. And Lois is saying, uh, you know, I, I hope Francis enjoyed those cookies that we sent. And Hal's reassuring her. They, he, he's sure that he, he did. And he's sure his friends at the Academy had a birthday party for him. Yep. They seem like good boys. Yeah. <laughs> then we get our final scene of Francis as he's standing in front of the mirror, both head and eyebrows shaved, and another cadet who clearly took part in his little hazing uh, asks him how long it is to his date, and he says, 20 minutes. Then he takes a marker and starts trying to draw hair and eyebrows on. Yeah, not well. No. And that wraps up that plot line. That's the F plot. So let's go to the A-plot. Oorah. Uh, which begins at a wrestling meet. Yeah, another Jake thing. Yep. And the Wilkerson's are setting up in the stands. They're there to cheer on Reese. Uh, Hal has like a little sign thing. It's weird. It's like a tapestry. <laughs> it kind of is. It's weird. I've never seen one like that. Right? <laughs> 
it's like construction paper. Like, it's weird, too, because it changes the way it looks depending on what scene they're in. So it's very clear that this prop is changed a little bit. Because, like, it has little plastic holders, almost like a scroll at one point. Yeah. And then when he rolls it up, it's just a wooden dowel. But uh, it's a sign that says, Go Reese. Yes. And the parent in front of them... Uh, as they're talking about Reese, turns and asks, uh, are you Reese's parents? And they immediately ask, why? <laughs> <laughs> and the looks of concern. He, he explains that at the last meet, Reese was the star. Uh, him winning his match really rallied the team, and they, they won because of it. He's so good. And Malcolm explains that they're still getting used to being proud of Reese. That makes sense. Then Lois mentions that uh, she's sort of looking around for Reese, looking for him. She says, shouldn't he be warming up? He's up next. <laughs> and you see him warming up by putting a kid with glasses in a headlock. I, I assume he's a Krellboy and we just don't know. Maybe. I think you're just assuming that because he has glasses. Not everyone with glasses is a Krellboy, David. I'm well aware, Jacob. <laughs> but no, I just assume that because anytime I see Reese bully someone that isn't, like, specified, I assume they're Krellboy. Ah, uh, we, we learned in this episode, he, he's a pretty equal opportunity bullier. I don't, I don't think he exclusively bullies the Krellboys. He is so much more than a bully, and don't take that away from him. Okay, fair enough. But be, being called over to the match, Reese runs over, he's getting ready, uh, then his opponent steps forward, and it is a girl, which uh, Lois in the stands uh, is uh, incredulous and asks, what is he supposed to do? Beat up a girl? <laughs> it cuts to Reese, who smiles and says, I get to beat up a girl? Yeah, get to. That's funny. What's it like wrestling a girl, Jake? Well, I have, in fact, been beat in a wrestling match by a girl. You, you, you asked before we started recording, when I you know, brought up that I'd be talking about <laughs> this, you, you asked if it made me a better person. And it kind of did, because the weirdest part about wrestling a girl wasn't actually that. That didn't bother me at all, like either wrestling a girl or losing to one. I didn't care. I know. I've heard this story before. So uh, just... I edited it out of a previous episode of this podcast because I remember this plot line was coming up. Oh, it didn't make it into the episode before? Uh, no, I, I specifically edited it out because I knew we'd be talking about it here. I need to go back and like listen to our stuff, but I feel like such a pompous ass when I do that. I'm not that far up my own ass. But the weird part for me was the like attempted pep talk beforehand by both uh, one of the coaches and like my teammates that uh. was just like super openly sexist and misogynistic. She's uh, a girl. You're fine. Uh, not even that. Like, the, 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 like, crux of this motivational speech they were giving was that I, like, needed to put her in her place and prove that she shouldn't be out here doing man stuff. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Some of the most horrific sexist stuff I've ever heard, excluding stuff from the internet. But it is sort of the moment that uh, made me realize, like, oh, there are a lot of dudes who are super sexist and horrific in ways that I didn't think existed anymore. It was a very eye-opening moment in that particular way. Didn't that, like, make you quit wrestling? I, I, I It is part of why I quit wrestling the next year, yeah. It's not because you got whooped by a girl? No, I, I did not care about that. My thinking was barely in line with Hal's. <laughs> yeah, she was a way better wrestler than I was. Of course she won. She kicked my ass. <laughs> But did it make you a girl? Uh, it in fact did not. So it made you a lady? Yes. Okay. 
but yes, uh, Reese immediately gets slammed to the mat. Oh, God. So quickly. Uh, in almost exactly that way, which, by the way, is illegal and gets you disqualified in wrestling. <laughs> the specific slam she did gave me a concussion uh, in a different wrestling match. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what wrestling type they're doing, but it... Yeah. Because it looks like Greco-Roman a little bit, but... So, a little bit, but you don't really, like, shoot in Greco-Roman wrestling, right. which they do twice here. It's mostly about throws. So, yeah, it's like a weird combination of Olympic wrestling and uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah, it's very much so, like, freestyle or freeform. I can't remember what term they use in... Yeah, freestyle's a thing, but it doesn't look like that either. I know freestyle's a thing. I, oddly enough, for a person who never wrestled, I actually know a lot about wrestling for a million weird reasons that we won't get into on the podcast just to save time. <laughs> it's very interesting and very clear that they didn't like actually go get like a, a high school coach or anything for wrestling. They were just like, I wrestled in high school like 20 years ago. I kind of remember what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also I, not I, a I will single say- singlet. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the first thing. I was like, that, that's not right. Right. <laughs> you, know, you don't wrestle in a t-shirt and fucking shorts. You, you, you have to wear the, the horrible singlets. Yep. Yeah. I, I will say, though, the, the uh, one single leg shot the girl does is, like, the only, like, properly done wrestling move in this entire match. It is pretty good. Yeah, it was a good shot. And then she scorpions him and slaps him in the face with yeah, his which, which, yeah, uh, which, which that, to be fair, is preceded by uh, Reese uh, getting slammed to the ground again uh, after the the shot uh, in a legal takedown. Uh, He, like, first tries to crawl out of the ring, which he grabs his leg and pulls him back in, with him, like, burying his nails into the mat trying to stop her. (laughs) Then when she uh, gets on top of him from there, he grabs her ponytail and is trying to pull it, which causes Dewey and the stance to switch sides. Like, after her... uh, takedown uh he he screams kill her Therese and then when he starts pulling her her hair he like just screams kill him (laughs) (laughs) he is very much so swayed by the the way the match is going very clearly yes then when the ref tries to like warn him for pulling hair uh that's when the, the female wrestler puts him in uh uh, as you call it, the, the scorpion, and starts, like, slapping him with his own feet. Yeah, she literally <laughs> bends him over backwards with yeah. his feet over by his head. It is the exact, it's it's a double scorpion, because when you kick somebody over your head like that, it's a scorpion kick, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, by the way. It's a great, like, movement of flexibility and strength, but if you ever kick someone that way, you're dumb and you're wasting energy. Anyway... <laughs> So I, I didn't know that was like an actual martial arts thing when you said scorpion. I was thinking that that's what they call it in uh, skateboarding when that unintentionally happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's... that's uh, it, So it's not really a thing in martial arts until... Now, it might have been before that, but where it really got popular was in the choreography of The Matrix. They dubbed the kick that Trish does where she kicks the agent by bringing her 
foot backwards and up over her head and slightly bending and arching her back. She kicks the agent in the head that way and sends them flying, and they call that the scorpion kick. Gotcha. It's derived from something that I know is real, but I, I've i never seen that or this like double thing that I know skateboarders call it. Um, I've never seen that in anything real martial arts related just the fake crap. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, but it got really popular with the Matrix. Gotcha. Also, isn't her name Trinity? Yes. What do they call her? Trish. Okay, so I was just reading an article <laughs> about Devil May Cry. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Then uh, we go to the dinner table after how, like, uh, as the crowd turns against Reese uh, for losing to a girl, presumably, uh, how, like, slowly starts to roll up his uh, Go Reese sign. And uh, the Wilkersons, once again, are in the, the stands trying to distance themselves from their child. Two episodes in a row. But at the dinner table, uh, we, we first get uh, Dewey's comment that you already brought up, where he asks if Reese is a girl now. And Malcolm <laughs> says, no, he's a lady. Then Hal steps in and says that there's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, which we've also already mentioned that. He <laughs> says she was just a, a vastly superior wrestler. I mean, he's right. Yeah. She was good. Yeah. Also, she probably trained. Reese, his practice was just bullying. Well, that that, that was his warm-up. Same thing. Then uh, we go from there to the school where Malcolm is eating lunch with his fellow Krellboins. And Dabney brings up what happened with Reese. Because it's clearly the talk of the school. And Malcolm says, you guys didn't get, you guys didn't see it? And Stevie just says, a sporting event. To which Malcolm suddenly realizes, oh yeah. He explains what happens to them. And Lloyd shares what's clearly his personal experience with getting beat up by a girl. So he asks if he soiled himself. And Malcolm says, no. And he says, oh yeah, neither did I. Oh, Lloyd. Then Dabney suggests that they need to be careful because uh, th this may cause Reese to act out even more than usual to prove he's still top of the food chain. And he suggests that they not wear underwear for the next several days to avoid wedgies. It is proper wedgie prevention. Then a random kid runs into Reese as he's holding his food tray, uh, knocking the tray into Reese all over his shirt. And everyone sort of gets quiet and just stares, waiting to watch... Reese pummel this kid. Uh, instead, Reese looks around and yells, You guys want something to stare at? I'll give you something to stare at. Then he stands on top of a table and pours two cartons of chocolate milk over himself while screaming. I can't believe he wasted all that chocolate milk. What a heinous act. Then we go back to the house where Reese is pacing in their room. Uh, Malcolm comes in to ask him what all that stuff at school was about. And Reese explains that, you know, being on the wrestling team, it felt like he was, you know, actually doing something for the school, and he liked that people actually looked up to him, uh, and were proud of him, and uh, he just wants to get that feeling back. And he's done uh, being a bully. He wants to be the good guy. Yes, uh, but it wasn't a baptism. That's right. He just was washing away the old him and be and starting something new and good. Exactly. Then Dewey walks into the room and Reese grabs him by his shoulders and asks what he can do for him. Of course, Dewey immediately screams, Mom! <laughs> Which Reese covers his mouth and says, I'm trying to help you. Then going back to the school, we see everyone uh, celebrating, being very carefree, uh, with Reese gone as the bully. They're frolicking, even. Yes. With uh, Lloyd 
offering his cake to Malcolm because he got to eat his real lunch and his diversion lunch because Reese wasn't there to seal it. And Dabney says he, uh, he hasn't had to eat any grass in the last two days. And is talking about how his food tastes better now. That'd do it. Then another kid is like announcing to everyone that he's taking ballet lessons and he doesn't care who knows. Uh, which Reese actually walks over and like pats him on the shoulder and says, good for you, and then walks away. And Malcolm says it's like a renaissance. It's uh, a new peaceful era. Then as he walks around the corner, a kid walks up and shoves him. Malcolm asks him why and says that they're friends. He explains that uh, he doesn't like that Malcolm makes him feel dumb and insults him all the time. That's not what you do with friends. I'd like to meet those friends. <laughs> right, which, which, uh, that's where I start relating to Malcolm this episode. Because <laughs> I'm an asshole pretty much exclusively to my friends. Yeah, you are. God. <laughs> then... He, uh, Malcolm says uh, he was just being funny. The kid pushes him down as part of a bad knock-knock joke. A really bad knock-knock joke. He wasn't funny. Yeah. So I'm with Malcolm on that. <laughs> that's not That's not the point I'm making, Jacob. My point is, is that if you're going to bully him back for it, you got to at least be clever. And we'll talk about this later. But I happen to know if you're going to, you know, bully someone, whether they deserve it or not, you got to at least be smarter than them. Otherwise, you just look like a real asshole. And I don't think you understand how bullying works. Oh, it's I not do. Usually... We're going to talk about it. <laughs> We're going to talk about it, all right? Look, he could have at least had a decent one-liner. Oh, yeah, his one-liner sucks. It's knock-knock, who's there, Shovey McShoverson. Was it? I thought it was Pushy McPusherton. Yeah, 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 Pushy McPusherton, you're right. Then another kid comes over and uh, offers Malcolm his hand to, let, to like help him up, and he helps him up, then he also immediately shoves Malcolm to the ground. Moby Rick. <laughs> Which Malcolm corrects him. In a very Jake move. <laughs> Says, oh, you, you know, I, I actually called you Rick Epotamus. And it, I, I think he, like, starts to point out that this kid has actually come up with a better burn than his. Which, to be fair, he has. Yeah. Uh, but before he can finish, that kid punches Malcolm in the gut. And he deserves it. Yeah. But also, that's such a you... How often do you do that? God. You just called me stupid. No, what I said was... Yeah, it's important to be exact about these kinds of things. I hate you so much, and this is so much you. <laughs> God. There's... I kind of. Listen, as I said, this is 100% me with friends. The difference between me and Malcolm is that Malcolm is this way seemingly with everyone. Well, yeah, because he thought these kids were his friends, which is addressed later on. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, he thought they were friends. He... This is also apparently going to be the episode where they don't really address this part of it, but this is where Malcolm realizes the Krellboins are his only real friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, and even they. <laughs> see, my social anxiety is preventing me from ever thinking that, David. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I think that's what Malcolm's missing. Yes. Yeah, he needs a dose <laughs> He of... doesn't have enough anxiety. <laughs> that's right. He's too full of himself. We need to remove some of that self-esteem. Well, he is arrogant. He did. I know, Stevie said it. <laughs> the word is arrogant. Uh, then it cuts away to commercial, and when it comes back, we see two different kids bullying Malcolm. These two are holding him, like, by his feet in a trash can. Well, specifically, uh, first we see just a, like, close-up of Malcolm. 
as he's explaining his predicament. Uh, then it uh, zooms out to show them, like, lowering and raising him out of this trash can. One of them has explained that they're doing this because Malcolm knows that he's not comfortable with his sense of fashion, and Malcolm is always making fun of his clothes anyway. And doesn't he know that he cries himself to sleep at night? <laughs> Which, like, after every point, his friend's just going, Yeah! Until the last one where he starts to say yeah, and then he, like, looks over and goes, Wait, really? Then... We see Malcolm talking to the Krellboins, uh, and he's uh, explaining that apparently no one likes him, uh, except for the Krellboins, and then Lloyd says, you know, actually, we're kind of tired of your shit, too. <laughs> He uh, says, I don't like your act either, I think is how he puts uh, it. I think he says, your act is getting a bit tired. There it is, yep. L- Lloyd calls him caustic. Uh, Stevie, as we've already said, calls him arrogant. Then Dabney says he's sarcastic. Uh, what, what's the other insult he calls him? I don't remember. He calls him too and then handsome. And I think he says he, something like he's sarcastic, full of himself, and handsome. Then immediately to uh, clearly try to cover for the fact he just called Malcolm handsome. He points in a random direction and says, she's cute. She might have been Jake. Maybe. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty obvious. Then with the even the Krellboins having turned on Malcolm, we go back to Reese, uh, who is trying to be a good person. <laughs> we see his first attempt. There's a kid standing like in front of the street with a backpack, which clearly Reese knows as he like walks up to he calls him by name. I don't remember the name. Neither do I. He he offers to help him across the street safely. And when the kid, like, starts resisting, he says, no, no, don't worry, I'm nice now. And, like, pulls him across the street. (laughs) As they're getting across the street, his mom comes running out, screaming at this kid for going across the street. She's told him many times he's not allowed to do. He's in so much trouble. And Reese gets a forlorn look on his face. Yes, then attempt number two. Reese has volunteered at the hospital. Uh, He sits down next to the patient who says he he was so glad to hear that he he would be coming to to read to him. And Reese says, yeah, they they told me that it really helps lift the spirits of the terminal patients. (laughs) And the guy uh, gets a look on his, a fear on his face and he says, terminal? (laughs) There's a long pause. (laughs) And then Reese says, I'm in the wrong room. I'm in the wrong hospital. (laughs) He quickly, like, gathers his stuff up to leave (laughs) while the guy, like, frantically presses the call nurse button, yelling, Nurse! Nurse! (laughs) Yeah, what a way to find out. Then we see Malcolm coming home from school, battered and dirty, uh, which Lois asks him what happened, and he explains it. uh, And Hal says, uh, uh, well, you can be a bit sarcastic. Well, he can. (laughs) Yes. And Lois sends Hal to uh, have a talk with Malcolm as he cleans himself up in the bathroom. Uh, And Hal has a big, long story about, you know, uh, hypothetically a a thing that happened at work. But this hypothetical has nothing to do with your situation. I want you to think about that. (laughs) Uh. Uh, Yes, it very clearly, like, starts out as he's trying to explain to Malcolm, like, the power of apologizing, but just very quickly devolves... Very quickly. Then we see Malcolm trying to put this advice into practice as he goes up to a kid and starts trying to apologize for a time that he called him Einstein when it was raining. And he said, hey, it's raining. 
which Skid is not understanding. He, he very clearly did not understand that Malcolm was making fun of him when this happened. But Malcolm is very clear to explain it to him. Yes. <laughs> Malcolm is having to explain that he was insulting him in order to try to apologize. Uh, but before he can apologize, the kid punches him uh, and then, like, drags him to a bush and, and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> yes, it cuts away, and then when he comes back, you see him pulling Malcolm out of a bush and sort of helping him walk away and telling him, I'm glad we had this talk. Yes. Then Reese calls Malcolm over, and then he, he's found his way to, to find meaning. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's selling all of his video games because he's giving away his early possessions because uh, Brother Billy told him to. And Malcolm asks the, the guy who drives a school bus and hands out pamphlets. They're called manifestos, Jake. <laughs> all right. And Reese explains that he's going to go with Brother Billy to his compound in Oregon. It's always Oregon or Idaho. He, he explains it's going to be very safe, and Malcolm shouldn't be worried because they have guard towers <laughs> and, and watchdogs. Yep. Then Lloyd and Dabney run up and ask Reese for his help, and <laughs> Lloyd has no shoes on, and Dabney has no shirt on. They explain that Reese has created a power vacuum, and that now chaos is reigning as there are random uh, gangs of bullies terrorizing everyone. People can do whatever they want now. Yes. It's anarchy. And we get a little montage of this anarchy, which includes a bully stealing glasses from a kid, uh, specifically the kid from the beginning of the episode that uh, Reese had in a headlock uh, as his warm-up. Yep. And then we see another kid, like, stealing lunch from a kid and, and like, uh, smashing milk and stuff. Then we see a, like, chain of headlocks. Where, like, five bullies have all gotten each other in headlocks and, like, a... Yeah, there's just, like, daisy chains in, like, progressive height order. Yeah. yeah. Daisy chains a much better way of putting it than I was going to. It's going, I was going to describe it as human centipede-esque. No. No. They're children, for God's sake. What's wrong with you? God. I said your description was better. Y yes. Yes. <laughs> my description was much better. <laughs> Jesus. But, but I would argue that they're both equally accurate. Then, finally, we see Stevie being spun around in his wheelchair, yelling, I'm immune! Reese, uh, seeing this, says, Stevie's off limits, that's no fair! And they say, not anymore. And Reese realizes that him being a bully is a good thing for the school, and he sets out to restore order. He restores his particular... He put it uh, his particular brand of even-handed brutality there it is even-handed brutality yes yes he takes the first kid like by the he like sticks his finger up his nose and like drags him into a pole yeah then he the kid who's stealing the lunch then punches him in the gut and slams him to the ground with his uh tray of food grabs the other kid's glasses with one hand and punches the kid who stole them in the face with the other hand in a very, like, cartoon-esque move. Yeah, well, he's got to knock the kid out of the glasses. Yeah. Jeez, Jake. And he gives them back to the kid with the glasses and says, from now, uh, from now on, you're back to doing my book reports. Yep. Then he uh, goes to the daisy chain of kids and, like, knocks them all over with a trash can. There you go, yeah. 
Specifically, the trash can Malcolm was being dunked in. Uh, then he pours the trash out on the pile of four Rivolis. They tried to rise up. They could not claim power. Then a teacher comes over to grab Reese and pull him away. Yeah, he starts to don't scream, don't touch me, and then when he realizes it's a teacher... Oh, never mind. So yeah, it also very much looks like he was ready to punch whoever this was in the balls. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that is the end of the episode. Bully. That just leaves our awards. Awards. So let's start with our roller skating award. Our award for the best visual moment. Okay. You want to go first? I usually do. Uh, sure. I chose the, specifically the second montage of Reese beating up the bullies. Nice. As like the, 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 the visual comedy there, especially of the, like we've already mentioned, the holding the glasses, then like punching the kid out of them. <laughs> I, I called it cartoon, but it, it's also very like Mark's brother-y. It is. It's like that particular brand of physical comedy. The trash can bowling. Yes. Where the, the daisy chained kids, he basically bowls for bullies yes yeah uh, also just like usually in shows like even this show like the bullying violence stuff is very like not brutal but th- like like th- this feels much more brutal than most like fight between kids scenes like, the, 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 the way they presented it and showed it looks like they're actually like you know, kicking the shit out of them. <laughs> like, we, we see it earlier with the people bullying Malcolm, and then we see it again here on, on full display of, like, yeah, this, this looks like real bullying, <laughs> and that they're just punching. <laughs> yeah. It's fighting. This looks closer to what actually happens. Right. No, I get it. But, I, I love that scene. Uh, it's, it's also, it, it's not a visual thing, but I also appreciate that they used uh, Hulk Hogan's theme song <laughs> as the music <laughs> all this is going on. Yes. It does add something to the scene. Yeah. And uh, Hulk Hogan is a real-life uh, asshole and bully, so it fits. That's fair. <laughs> mean he's a famous white guy from the, you know, 80s to 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah fair. But David, he, he made Andre the Giant be the heel. That's unacceptable. You can't be mean to Andre the Giant. I don't know what's worse. The fact that I now understand what you're talking about, <laughs> thanks to you. You're welcome. Or... I've educated you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just the thought of Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan working together. Well, uh, Andre the Giant wasn't a fan. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, and then years later, a tape would leak proving him right. <laughs> and proving Hulk Hogan's, like, super racist. Again, shocking. <laughs> so anyways. What was your award, David? I had Francis drawing on the hair as my roller skating king award. I love the way this looks. It looks pretty legit. Like, they may have actually shaved his head and eyebrows for this. Maybe. I I, I don't think so. I I think it's just really good prosthetic work. It's possible, absolutely. But that even that is is not why I chose this. The the look on his face as it shifts from like this forlorn, like, oh, the date's ruined and it's over, to as he's crudely drawing this hair on. He, at the end, has this smug look of satisfaction on his face. Like, like he has convinced himself that this is working. This looks good. It does not. It's so awful. Yeah. Which is what makes it so good. Like, it, 
It just looks so shitty and horrible. And it looks like, you know, someone actually drew on themselves a permanent marker. That's what this looks like. And, and just, it was done so well. It may have actually been done for real. I don't know with this show. Uh, I, I spent like an hour trying to find the answer to if they actually shaved or not. I couldn't find an answer. But regardless, either way, just the, the change in his face from the start of that scene to the end alone makes it for me. Uh, and and really portrays okay francis thinks this is gonna work so anyways i just i love that moment it was very good it's simple and there were a lot of other contenders that i thought about but that one really won me over in the end and what did you have david for your hot dog with mustard on it award your award for the best line shut up i'm trying to help you Okay. I love that moment with Reese and Dewey when he grabs Dewey and he asks him how he can help him. And Dewey just, with the instinctive reflexes, Mom! And then Reese grabs the back of his head and covers his mouth with the other hand and says, Shut up, I'm trying to help you. Uh, fair enough. Uh, interestingly, that, that was actually my backup for roller skating, Keen Award. <laughs> fair. But my hot dog with mustard on it goes to... Uh, during Hal's uh, speech, his little talk with Malcolm, uh, where he's you know, re- relating this hypothetical story <laughs> about how he hypothetically told a fellow co-worker that it looked like their boss had highlights, and then that co-worker hypothetically told their boss. Uh, but uh, my, my actual line I gave it to you comes at the end of that when Malcolm says, so you wish you'd apologize to him? And Hal just says, to that pretty boy, never. <laughs> <laughs> but if he had, the boys would have all had their own bedroom. Yes. I mean, it, it does seem on brand for Hal to have, like, shot himself in the foot and just had, like, years of no upward mobility at his job because of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that tracks. Absolutely. It's a real... Real Hal move. What did you have for the A plot of your heart of these two plot lines, David? I gave it to the F plot. Okay. Francis's plot line is simple, it's fun, it it tells a story, and again, it just, I don't know, something about Francis's shenanigans, when he's on the receiving end of the things that you see him, like, perpetuating on other kids pre-being sent to Marlin Academy is entertaining to me. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I went with the A plot. Makes sense. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's a great episode for both Malcolm and Reese. I like getting to see another side of Reese. He, he tends to be the most one-dimensional. Agreed. So I, I like when he gets to not be. I, I agree. And uh, it's why I chose him for, you know, another award. Uh, well, do you want to go straight there then, David? A most like character is what I was ah. actually talking about. Uh, I very much so gave Reese my most liked character award for this uh, episode. I really like Reese, and I can really, really relate to Reese in this episode, especially at the end. I can't say that I never went through like a whole identity crisis, because I definitely did. It was very different than Reese's. I even, well, shit. I kind of joined a cult. Kind (laughs) of. Fair. It would take too long to get into. Fuck. <laughs> and I was the bully bully. I've only ever been in like eight fights in my life. And every last one of them is because other people were being bullies. And I thought that their bullying was too far. And I had to put them back in line. I mean, the amount of times that I let my brother get beat up to a certain point, 
so he could learn his lesson, <laughs> but then they took it too far, so I stepped in. It's a lot. And one time, I even threw a kid down a snowbank, which, for people who don't live in the Midwest, snow is not always fluffy and, like, white and powdery and nice. See, it gets compacted and hard, and his chin bounced off of the uh, snow, not quite ice yet, but hard packed snow, and it split it open, and then he slid down and hit on a little uh, delineator post on his nose, and it, like, broke his nose. Now, he attacked us first. I was defending myself uh, and my brother, and all I did was pick him up and throw him. I didn't think it was going to go that far, <laughs> but I get it, because I, I 100% ended up with this reputation to where I would go and meet my brother at school and people would leave him the fuck alone because I would beat up the bullies and I was just that weird homeschool kid who would just show up at, at school like, who is this guy? I can very much so appreciate Reese. Fair enough. Uh, I could not relate to that part of it. Uh, only the wrestling part, which we've already talked about. Uh, but I did also choose Reese as my favorite character of the episode. And then to the actual episode part, I, I agree with exactly what you said earlier. Like, he's not one-dimensional. He's not the typical Reese. You actually see some character development. You see some thought-provoking uh, with the character. Like, I like that. They're using the character in an interesting way. Yeah, and also a way that it doesn't undo the character development despite, like, like ending back at the status quo with, with Reese, you know, returning to being this bully, but it sort of justifies that within the stuff he's learned rather than just completely getting rid of it. Yeah, it gives him a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's trying to be better, and in that, he finds that he keeps other people in check. I also just love that he seems like, it seems like the universe makes it impossible for him to be nice. Oh, I get that. <laughs> just, just watching everything he tries to do nice just fall apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that completely. Like, absolutely I do. Uh, and, yeah, no, I, I love Reese's storyline in this. That's why he was my favorite character. Yeah. What did you have for your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Well, I think you already know that, Jake. Do I? Well, yeah, because I stopped you from saying it earlier. It is the fact that Hal and Lois get tickets to a Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays tour show of Jimmy Buffett. Ah. Which was the tour he was on in the 2000s. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, which I believe it was part of that tour where he ended up playing, or maybe the tour before that. One of them, like right before Bill Clinton got impeached... Uh, he ended up playing on the White House lawn for Bill Clinton. Well, that that'd be that'd probably have to be the tour before that. Yeah, I don't know how long tours last. I'm really bad at that kind of thing. Usually, like only a year. Okay. Although Jamie Buffett's like one of those. It's 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 weird that that's the case for like. I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound mean, but that's the way relevant bands do it. It's like a whole different thing for, like, the no longer making new music, like, old rock stars. Yeah. Theirs are a little bit different. Theirs might take years, but I'm not sure if those are, like, considered separate tours. I don't know. But, yeah, okay. But, yeah, so it's the Jimmy Buffett concert, which is the concert that uh, they are going to. Which, by the way, the 
appropriate attire mentioned previously is they're wearing very uh, obvious uh, not Hawaiian Hawaiian shirts in true Jimmy Buffett fashion. Yep. Uh. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, he was a thing. Yep. And so I sort of cheated on my OK Boomer award. Yeah, because you did. You don't even know what it is yet. It's fine. I'm. 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 Ju- <laughs> Fuck I'm, you. <laughs> you don't even know why you're mad at me yet. Don't. You can't get pre upset. <laughs> Yes, I can. Uh, I'm uh, mad at you. I will say that the first two things I wanted to use were both much more 80s things. Because the first thing I wanted to use was the Hulk Hogan song. But this is literally like the, the like five-year period between when he initially retired and when he came back. So it literally could not be less of a timestamp. Right. And then I wanted to use the uh, Colt Oregon thing because I couldn't remember if it was the 80s or the 90s when, like, all those poisonings and stuff happened in Oregon. Oh, yeah, that was 80s. Yeah, that that, that was the 80s, so I couldn't use that. So yeah. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to use my answer from last week because we once again have a Freaks and Geeks actor making an appearance. Really? Yep. Uh, the kid who uh, uh, calls himself... Fuck. Fuck. I, I, can't, I can't remember the, the, the actual one. I can only remember Malcolm's worst one. Shit. What is it? Moby Rick. There you go. There <laughs> it is. That took you way too long, Jake. It did. It was such a good insult. Look, I'm a fat kid, and I always have been. That's funny. That's way better than any of the fat jokes that anybody came up for with David. But that was Jerry Messing, who played Gordon on Freaks and Geeks, which I already explained last week. Uh, Freaks and Geeks had, like, just ended... And they were taking, like, as many cast members from that show as they could and putting it in this show because they like Freaks and Geeks. I'm mad at you. That's lazy. Our audience deserves better. Well, they're not getting it. Not from you. God. Well, for awards, that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kids. Correct. Uh, Who did you have for your least shitty kid, David? I went with Reese. As did I. Yeah. One, he learned something. He tried to actively better himself, which one, for Reese, is astounding. Absolutely. For two, for the Wilkerson's, that's astounding. Yeah. And I I like this episode. You see Reese has sort of this self-actualization. Yeah, it took being beat by a girl, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, he has this realization. And yes, he ends up back to being the bully, but he doesn't do it out of sort of this ennui that generally gets forced on the characters like that where uh i i'm tr- i've tried doing the right thing or the good thing and and i can't do it so screw it i'm going to be you know the bad guy it, which is very much so like the the go-to especially in tv dramas and stuff now yeah it's the the bad boy who tried being good, but I'm no good at being good, so I'll be bad. I, I like the way that they do this instead. They they give Reese this rationalization that he has in his head to now make it okay for him to be that. Right. And I get it's not a good rationalization. And uh, as a person who beat up other bullies, there were probably better ways to handle it. But look, they learned. <laughs> okay, and I was never as bad as Reese. I never, like, bullied people, but I stopped people in the act. You know, I did what John Mulaney's dad expected him to do. <laughs> I stopped the Nazi. Yeah, and I also appreciate that they didn't just go with, like, the lazy, like, motivation of, of it just being that he, he got, he lost this match to a girl. At, like, he explicitly says it's not because of that. 
Right. Like, it's uh, about the sort of sense of purpose and the feeling of people actually liking him that uh, wrestling gave him. It's it's the pride. Yeah. The, the, The Reese, you get to see a part of him where he actually gets to have that moment where people were proud of him, where he gets to feel proud of his accomplishments. He doesn't get to do that often. Yeah, and I think that makes more sense and is a more interesting motivation for him. I agree. Uh, who did you have for your shittiest kid? I'm sure you can guess. It's Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, and in this episode, Malcolm learns exactly how shitty he is. Because he bitches, he moans, he's sarcastic, he's arrogant, he's a prick. God. Malcolm is such a dick. And to think, like, this episode, if you take it in canon... And apply what Malcolm reveals and learns here, looking back to me, makes Malcolm an even bigger prick and probably would have gotten the shittiest son award even more from me. Because I've always given him credit of being smart enough to know he's being a shithead. Yeah, no, I I don't think so. And and we've talked about it before. He he doesn't have any social awareness. Like, his intelligence is purely within, like, the... The, the, like, purely the, like, cold logic side of things. That's why he's mostly presented as being the, the hard science kid. Math and science make sense to him. But not people. People yeah. don't. I get that, but still. I always sort of have this nagging thought in the back of my head that he's smart enough to understand that's bad, right? Like, and clearly not. Yeah, no. But it's, as I've said before, it's why he... Generally, it's Lois who's the one who literally has to yell the lesson at him because otherwise he will not learn this type of thing. Or in this case, he literally has the lesson beat into him. Yeah. Malcolm's such a shitty kid. He is also shitty in a very relatable to me way. Like, especially the moment where the two kids are beating him up and, like, he looks up and, like, goes, wait, 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 wait. And the thing he's concerned about is, you guys don't think I'm funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he thinks he's hilarious. Exactly. There are so many little Jake lines in this. For sure. Oh, my God. The kinds of things that I could see you saying. Yeah, but again, only to a friend. Yeah, again, <laughs> you're lucky that you had less friends, quote-unquote. I'm doing air quotes for, you know, the listeners. You're lucky you didn't have that many friends. God. <laughs> Not everyone would have just, you know, whooped you a little bit like we did. We took care of you. Wow. <laughs> we were actually, we mostly got meaner to you, like, later, and then it was verbally abusive after your abuse back. We didn't physically harm you often that was more your brothers true like the worst thing we did to you is almost give you heat stroke yeah that's pretty bad in fact you hit me more than i hit you growing up that i can remember because you gave me a scar inside my lip yeah i was about to say i feel like there's one particular incident but aside from that i think you're pretty years Weren't you the one who hit me on the head with the, like, hardened roll of duct tape, or was that Ryan? No, that was Ryan. Okay. Ryan's also the one who, like, hit me in the face with a coaster when I had mumps. He's also the one who hit me in the groin with the throwing axe. Look, Ryan was the source of all physical... Ryan was Reese, kind of. 
Yeah. <laughs> he was like... Ryan tried to be Reese, but I had to bail him out. <laughs> He's this weird amalgamation of Reese and Malcolm. He was like a Reese brain and a, a Malcolm body. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Ryan, by the way, for the listeners, is my brother that I talk about all the time. Yeah. That Jake and I grew up with. So, yeah. Oh, my Lord. But, yeah, this is an interesting episode, and I love it. And, uh, yeah, I can I can totally sympathize with Reese there at the end. I, I get that feeling of, oh, well, apparently it's my call to beat up the bullies. Uh, now, we had very different motivation, but... Well, that just leaves our last segment. Oh, Lord. David's guessing game. Uh, so, David, what do you think next week's episode, titled Old Mrs. Old, is about... Okay, hang on. Old Mrs. is in like MS or MRS. like MRS. Okay, well, yeah, that's what I meant. Fuck, MS is Miss. You're yeah. right. Look, you know what I meant. But yes, I'm exhausted. Okay, Old Mrs. Old, huh? Either we're about to meet the Wilkerson's grandma for the first time, or Dewey's gonna have a misadventure with one of the neighbors that he's always running off to. Okay, that's it. Look, that title doesn't give me a lot to work with. Fair enough. Also, this plotline has sort of the added bonus of, unlike the others, where it kind of, like, between the title and the things that have happened, I kind of had some things to guess on. Yeah. Like, we hadn't had any of this type of episode lately. I don't, I don't know what to expect. Yeah, no, for, for, fair enough. It's, it's a tough one to get from the title. And uh, the, I will say, uh, looking back at your evaluation of uh, this episode, you, you were uh, a fairly odd. You, you predicted that it would be centered around a... You, you thought a new bully would arrive and Reese would have to out-bully that bully. I, I did, yes. Which isn't too far off the mark. Yeah, it's... yeah. Uh, it, it did end with Reese bullying bullies. Yeah. Uh, there was just never any doubt of who the alpha bully was. Right. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a 90% on that one. All right. I, I appreciate the graded curve. You're welcome. Yeah. Now, that wraps this episode up. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com. Or you can reach us on Twitter, where we also put up weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls for you to vote in, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you like video games and like the banter back and forth here and want to come talk to us live, you can head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we stream video games and chat and hang out with people and just, in general, have a good time. Thanks for listening, and remember, life is unfair.